such an honor to be part of your uh, series and to finish it off today uh, on the Holy Spirit. And what we want to do is not repeat anything, but uh, I suppose simply tie it off and to, to think about primarily, well, what, what were the results of this happening on the day of Pentecost? What, what changes in their life happened and then maybe related into and how should we expect that to work in our lives today? We, Phil and I, come from a brethren background and uh, some of you will be aware of what it is to be brethren. Anybody ex-brethren people here? Nobody's admitting to it anyway, I can see. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a wonderful upbringing and uh, we, were, we were in the assemblies uh, for 30 years and uh, we... God really led us to plant a little house church and carried off. And we began to seek God because we were desperate for him. And I remember driving along one day and listening to scripture and song tapes by the Garrets, they were called, from New Zealand. And uh, this one came up, Jeremiah, uh, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and wondrous things which thou knowest not. I remember just, you know, actually pulled in and said, Lord, I'm going to spend the next time and pray and seek for your face. And I'm going to ask you to show me something. I wasn't looking about tongues. That's the last thing I wanted. I wanted just more of God. We were hungry for God. And, and, and that, was a, that was a great time in our lives. We went to a thing called Spring Harvest, which was a, a, a camp, I suppose, in, uh, in North Wales. And uh, it's still going today. It started in 1979. We went to the very first one. And a couple of years later, we went back again, and I went to a, a seminar on the Holy Spirit. And I, I, the, when I came in, it was in a tent, and it was freezing cold. And the man got up to speak, his name was Rob White, and he said, he stood up and said, I'm going to tell you about the Holy Spirit. And he started like this, I was brethren and proud of it. And I started to cry. I, you know, a, bur- a spontaneous bursting into tears. I'd never, I was completely gobsmacked and of course one of those meetings where you go he knows about me <laughs> you know you, you know <laughs> he doesn't know anything about me but you know the holy spirit was going out your fa-. and he told a story that he was the manager of a, a a store in london and they hired a door man who turned out to be pentecostal and he said he that is rob took great delight in putting this man down because he wasn't very well educated, but he said something in him. He, he looked at this man and he thought, he's got something I don't have, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him pay for it. And, I, and he told it quite openly. But he said, to a series of events, he had to, he asked the doorman to come up to his office. He got on his knees, and he asked the doorman to lay hands on him and pray for him. And he said, life changed. He said, nothing was ever the same again. And as he came to the end of the meeting, he said, now, I'm going to, if you'd like to be baptized in the Spirit, he said, filled in the Spirit, he said, don't, don't worry about the, ter- the terminology. He said, that's not important. Would you stand up? And of course, you know, loads of people stood up. He said, well, look, it's too many for me to pray. I'm going to play a guitar. And I thought, has he lost his mind or something? What on earth is that all about? But he just played a couple of chords. And I began as I opened up my heart said Lord I'm hungry for you I began to speak in a language that I hadn't known before and it was the most unusual thing I remember thinking to myself I don't believe in this but the Lord said well that's all right I do and don't worry about it and then I then I remembered call unto me and I will answer you and I felt the Lord say this is the fulfillment of that 
And I just, something, something, it was like a light switch went on. And I went back to the chalet and I said to told Priscilla what happened. And she were all excited about it initially. And, uh, and I, I nipped into the bathroom to see if I could do it all again. And, you know, because I didn't know what was happening to me. And, and, and that began a process in our lives of, of God opening up. Um, I, I suppose it was like a door opening up into lots of things, spiritual gifts, new power, dynamism. Something happened in our lives. And then, of course, it's been an ongoing experience. But I, it wasn't always quite the same with you, was it, Priscilla? No, I was initially pleased when he told me, not really understanding the full implications of it. But then once Paul started to take me when we came home to meetings where, you know, we they had more the type of worship that you guys are used to and people praying for and you folk. Loved it, and didn't you? I hated it. I hated it. I said, Paul, don't take me back to those kind of meetings. I hate those sort of meetings and I don't like the people who go to them either. <laughs> um, they're all crazy. Uh, I said, they're all nuts. Now, they might have all been nuts, you know, I don't know. But anyway, I really was very, very uncomfortable. And I, 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 I like Paul had been really seeking the Lord as well. You know, we planted this wee house church that we were supposed to be leading. We hadn't a clue what we were doing. So honestly, we really were desperate for God to, to equip us and to help us and to move in our lives. So I too was seeking the Lord. But after that happened to Paul, you know, because I really felt for the first time you know, we weren't on the same page anymore. I thought, I, I can't pursue this because... And part of my hang-up was... I have great parents. They're still alive. They're in their 90s. They still love Jesus. And, and they always were passionate about the Lord. And so my reasoning was, if these things really were for today, and we'd been brought up taught that they weren't for today, if they really were for today, I think my mom and dad would have experienced it because they love you, Lord, so you wouldn't have held it from them. And that was a big hang-up for me. I could not get past that. <clears throat> Until, and I was fearful about the Holy Spirit too, if I'm being honest. You know, I knew that the Holy Spirit existed. I knew I couldn't have been a Christian apart from the Holy Spirit. I knew all of that. But other than that, I really was fearful. And when they talked about being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, when they talked about these gifts of the Holy Spirit, I sort of thought, well, what happens? I mean, do you lose control? So there was an amount of fear. But anyway, part of the way through the year, um, I read those verses in Isaiah, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past, behold I'm doing a new thing, and really, really felt the Lord challenge me, look, you love your mum and dad, you honour your mum and dad, but just leave that aside for now, and you pursue me, you, you pursue me, and as I did that, the fear started to lift, and I just began to get to the place where I thought, Lord, whatever you have for me, I want, and I know that you only give good gifts to your children. So, I, you know, whatever you have for me that will equip me, I want to be open to it. To, until I got to the point where in our little fellowship, one, we were doing what you've done. We did a little course, or, yeah, it was yeah, a course the on the Holy Spirit. And on the last night, you know, we said we would pray for, for everybody. So I said, okay, well, I would like you to pray for me. And they began to pray for me. And to be to be filled, baptized in the spirit. And at first, I was I was really frightened something was going to happen. But at the same time, then I was really frightened that nothing would happen. So I was sort of like betwixt and between. And um, and 
in my, you know, all this is going through my mind as they're praying and I'm going, nothing's happening, Lord, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then the Lord just said, Priscilla, how did you get saved? How did you receive your salvation? And I said, well, I just believed, Lord. And the Lord said to me, well, then just believe. You're asking me. So, uh, and it was later that I read the verse, you know, where Jesus said, if you ask your father for bread, he won't give you a stone. And in the Gospels, it says that, and it says, he said this talking about the Holy Spirit. So, you know, for any of you who might be in that same position today, I would say to you, just ask, because if you ask your father for bread, he won't give you a stone. And and so they, as they prayed for me, I don't think they would have thought much was happening. But in my heart, I knew that the Lord was filling me with his spirit. And it was then after that, as I began to to walk in the good of it afterwards, you know, as the gifts of the spirit started to, to flow a bit, you know, even, I mean, I remember for Paul, he had, he had been in that meeting and you began to speak in tongues. But for me, I thought, well, I would like to speak in tongues, Lord. And then Paul said to me, well, when you're praying, then just stop and wait and maybe a few words will come. And that happened, but then nothing much else happened. And I said to him, it's too hard work, this speaking in tongues thing. Like, it's far easier speaking in English. And Paul said, no, he kept encouraging me. He says, no, just persevere, you know, persevere, it'll come. And I remember one night we had our third daughter then and I was up feeding her in the night. And I was praying about a situation, and I said, it was a couple who were having marriage difficulties, and I said, Lord, I've prayed everything I know to pray for them, and nothing's changing. You know, what, what am I supposed to pray for them? And just immediately then, I began to pray in tongues, and it just came, and it was it wasn't hard work anymore. So, you know, I, I, my experience was different to Paul, but nevertheless, when the Holy Spirit just was freshly released in my life, I, th- I think the thing I remember too is just a sense of joy at being a child. Of God. There was a new sense of joy in my life, without a doubt. And, and so I would say, you know, my whole worldview changed when the, when the Holy Spirit filled me. I just had a different view of who God was and I had a different view of myself and I had a different view of the world that I lived in. It was a kind of a tricky year, uh, just before Priscilla comes to the first point. Uh, I remember one night... Uh, I, we were in bed together. That's as broad as it's going to get. And she, and, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm praying. And she said, are you praying in tongues? I said, yes. She said, well, don't, pray, don't do it in bed with me. <laughs> so it was a kind of a tense year, to be honest with you. I really a, did. It was, a, it was a good year. I really did say that. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> so... So, as we, you know, we knew that you were doing this series on the Holy Spirit. And so, as we looked afresh at Acts, uh, the, the book of Acts, and, and what happened when the Holy Spirit came, and in our own lives, we were saying, well, what does it look like when you're freshly filled with the Holy yeah. Spirit? What, what, are, what are the elements that, that occur in your life when you're freshly filled? And so, with, in Scripture and in our lives, it was a, the dynamic reality of God's power. I think the word most associated with the Holy Spirit is power. That's, you know, you, you read about it. In fact, Jesus, when he told them to wait in Jerusalem, Paul read it there, was um, in verse Seven. 8. <laughs> you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So Jesus told them that, you know, that you would receive power. And I think that 
In Northern Ireland in particular, those words of Paul the Apostle are very relevant where he said to the Corinthians, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I think here we have been very good at the wise and persuasive words, but we've maybe backed off a bit about a demonstration of God's power. And I think our worship today really opened up our minds and hearts to the fact that our God, he is the God of the universe and he's the God of my heart. That's what we sang. And he is a God of power. And he makes that power, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you and I. I mean, that is an incredible truth. And so therefore, we can go out clothed with that with that power that he gives us. And, and that's what will make a difference to broken lives. That will, that's what will make a difference in our communities. That's what will make a difference in Northern Ireland and, and in the whole of the island. We need that dynamic power of God. I met a girl in Dublin a while ago, and she'd been part of uh, the Church of Scientology, which isn't a church, but, you know, she'd been part of that cult. And she said a Christian friend invited her to a meeting and she went along and and she actually became a Christian that night. But she said, Priscilla, they prayed for me and I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit touching my life. And she said, honestly, if that hadn't have been my experience, I probably would have walked away because she said I had seen other supernatural power that wasn't the Lord, you know, she had, she had seen demonic supernatural power. And she said, had I not experienced real supernatural power, I probably wouldn't have given my life to the Lord that night. But she, she was touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's, I, th- I think that was our reality, that when the Lord, when the Holy Spirit came and filled us, we started to have a fresh understanding that we were in a relationship with the God of power. Fantastic. I didn't actually read it, but I should have. Acts chapter 1, Jesus, as he's about to ascend, he says this. uh, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all uh, all throughout Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of of the earth. So the second thing was boldness to witness. You know, you've got 120 people, they're in an upper room, they're waiting for something, they've no idea what it's going to look like, but I guarantee you they were afraid. They were worried about the authorities. They'd just seen what had happened to Jesus, and they're up in the upper room, and they're, they're waiting, and suddenly this explosion happens. The Holy Spirit comes, the age of the Spirit comes upon them, the birthday of the church, fantastic. And what's the first thing that happens? They burst, they roll out onto the street and Peter gets up. What does he do? He starts talking about Jesus. And he explains. It's interesting, most, most evangelism comes through people asking questions in the New Testament. It's interesting. What, what, what's that? Are these guys drunk? What's going on here? Peter says, no, we're not drunk. And then he begins to preach. And he doesn't muck about. He says, you killed Jesus. You crucified him. And so he really goes for us. So the whole idea of boldness comes in here because that's what Jesus had promised them. I know whenever I, I uh, after that happened to me, I, I'll be honest, from my brother and background, I was a gospel preacher, an open air preacher. It was something that I had done. And, and uh, I just found a fresh hunger to let people know about what God had done in my life. 
And, uh, I, you know, you can call it whatever you want. One of the things, I think, in our, in our uh, background was that there was always an assumption in, uh, in brethren circles that part of your Christian life and witness was to share your faith with people. And I think, actually, you know, when we're praying today about boldness, we need to ask God for a fresh desire. Just something, you know, I, 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 I want to do this. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure, but I want to do it. You know, we went through this, I went through this little phase. I heard it somewhere, and I thought, oh, I'll do that. And it was that you, you should never be in somebody's presence for more than seven minutes, but you should share the gospel with them. It made for some very awkward conversations, <laughs> to be honest with you. I remember sitting, at the, you know, you're sitting sharing a, a coffee table with somebody, and, uh, and, you know, you're thinking, then the minutes are ticking, the sweat's lashing off you, and you're going, oh, no, I'm going to drink this up quick and get out of here. But, you know, seven minutes, call me eight minutes. And then suddenly the person goes, could you pass over the salt, please? And you go, Passover. Passover, that reminds me of the Passover lamb. Oh, yes. You know, the the weirdest things you would do, honestly. And I mean, don't even get me started about ketchup when they ask for that. You know, I mean, like, so there was was a a fresh desire to do that. I think the second thing we need to pray for uh, in this from the Holy Spirit is opportunities. I'm convinced that more opportunities happen to us. Uh, than, than we, uh, we, we see. And we've got our eyes to see it. I, I really do still get up every day and go, Lord, I don't know who I'm going to meet today, but if it's appropriate, give me the opportunity. If it's appropriate, give me the opportunity. And, and if you do, I'll, I'll do my best to, to step into it. I, 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 about 18 months ago, I was getting my hair cut. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I go to the same girl every week. Every week, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Every six months. And, uh, and I know all, all about her life story. I know everything about her, honestly. Some of the stuff. Like, I'm going, I don't want to hear this. And uh, I came in one day, and she said to me, I said, she was crying. I said, what, what's wrong? She said, I've got a, a pain in my shoulder, and I haven't slept all night. And the Holy Spirit said to me, pray for her. And I said, do I have to? <laughs> you know, one of those. And you go, and I had this wee discussion. And I felt the Lord say, I said, no, I said, no, I didn't feel the Lord say. I said, if there's nobody in the shop whenever I go to pay, I'll pray for her. And of course, there wasn't just her assistant. So when I got up the till, I said, let me pray for you. And she said, oh, oh, okay, you say we pray for me. I said, no, no, let me pray for you right now. And there was this stunned silence. And her, and her assistant said, well, you've tried everything else. Why don't you try prayer? So I laid my hand on her shoulder, and she stood there. Now, you know, she's, we're not in church. There's nobody playing the keyboard in the background. <laughs> Music, you know. You know, it, it's, she's got her eyes open. She's staring at me, and I'm staring at her. And, and, and it's like, what are we doing? And I put my hand on her shoulder, and I just said, I felt the Lord say, just tell her that I love her, and that, that I'm, not, I'm not disillusioned with her. So I looked at her, and I said, I said, you know, you look at your life and you go, you know, I've done this and that, and God's mad and he's getting even. But he's not. God is no, God's not disillusioned with you because he made he had no illusions to begin with. And he knows all about you. And he still loves you. And he still has a purpose and plan for your life. And she burst into tears. She said, you made me cry now. And, you know, I got just an opportunity to share faith with her, to share Christ with her. Honestly, there are more opportunities, especially if you can pray for someone. It, it gives a great, nobody is offended by just you saying to them, can I pray for you? And the third thing we need, we need to pray for, uh, the Holy Spirit gives us his courage. Uh, Paul in the New Testament, as far as I can see, 
He never actually says, let's pray that John will be saved or Joan will be saved or whatever biblical name that, you know. He doesn't, he prays that Israel will be saved. But what he, whenever he asks for prayer, he says this, and pray for me that I might be bold and have courage to witness in the Colossians. Look at it. And I actually think that's a prayer that we all need. Holy Spirit, today as I am filled afresh with you, give me a fresh desire, give us opportunities, but give me courage to step into those opportunities. And actually this third point about when the Holy Spirit comes, I think is related to that. And it's a release of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you read that they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts, there was also a demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. So... It was speaking in tongues, there was prophecy, and, and, and then as the church grew and developed, they continued to pray for people and there were healings. And when, whenever um, Peter stood up and, and, and preached and had that boldness to witness, it was also as a result of them seeing, you know, the people bursting out onto the street and speaking in a language. They heard the praises of God in their own language, even though they said, are these people not just from Galilee? How, how are we hearing them praising God in our language? And so that release of the gifts also um, in, sort of equipped them and enabled them to witness and of course, when, when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, he will come with his gifts. And, and you've already been looking at that and how it says in Scripture to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And nobody gets to be exempt. You know, when, when they were filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit touched them all and released gifts to them all. It tell, tells us in Scripture that to each one is given gifts of the Spirit and that we're given them in order that we can build each other up. It's for the common good. They're not given to us for us to make us look good. They're, they're given to us so that we can be a blessing to others and, and that we can have that expect, expectation that God will flow in us and through us and, and release the gifts of the Holy Spirit to us. And, and I know that there are some people who um, maybe are, are more gifted in some of the gifts than others. But honestly, I really believe that the gifts of the Spirit are also situational. So, like, they're not ornaments that you wear to make yourself look good. They're actually tools to get a job done. So if you feel like the Lord is asking you to do something or to serve in some way or even to speak to someone about Jesus, then if you put yourself in that position, then the Lord knows that you need to be equipped for that. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are part of that equipping and they will begin to flow through you. So that, you know, like if I meet somebody tomorrow and they're sick, I'm not going to say, oh, I better find somebody who's got the gift of healing. I'm going to say, can I pray for you? And trust that in that moment, the Holy Spirit will release the gift of healing through me, but to that person to touch their lives. I think I learned this very early on when we were learning about the gifts of the Spirit. We, we went to a conference in London run by John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard um, group of churches that that movement and he was teaching on the holy spirit and the gifts of the spirit and he talked about the gift of the word of knowledge which that gift is simply the holy spirit giving you information about a situation or somebody that you couldn't know other than 
it was revealed to you. And he talked about these amazing stories of meeting people and the Holy Spirit revealed things to him. He talked about being on a plane and a guy getting on a plane and he saw a word on his head and the man sat beside him. And then in conversation, he brought it up and said, does this word mean anything to you? And of course, the guy falls apart and gives his life to Jesus. I'd never heard stories like this in my life. I was absolutely intrigued. So when I got back to home to Belfast, I was actually going into town in the bus one day and I thought I think I'd like one of those words of knowledge God and so at every bus stop as people got on the bus I'm going I'm sure they thought I was completely this weird woman sitting on the bus anyway I got into town not a word of knowledge nothing and I got off the bus and I said Lord I'm really disappointed I thought I was ready for that and he said Priscilla what were you going to do with it if I gave it to you I said well nothing Lord because it was just a wee practice run (laughs) And that was a really important lesson to learn. You know, that the gifts are for purpose. You know, they're, they're, you don't, it's not for we practice runs. They're for purpose. And actually, when the Holy Spirit comes and moves in the gifts, it really can impact people's lives. And so for me, I love the prophetic. And I, I ask the Lord every day, Lord, if I meet someone today, is there a word from your heart that you want to speak over them that would really bless them and would encourage them? And I try to be intentional about stirring that gift on a daily basis because the prophetic is simply sharing with someone what is on God's heart for them in a way that will encourage, strengthen, and comfort them. So as I, as I came here today, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, have you got something for somebody? And Paul, you mentioned that verse, call on to me and I will answer you and show you great and wonderful things that you don't know of and and so that is just coming back to me as I'm speaking and there's a guy sitting at the end of the road just in front of the sound booth and you know Paul got heard that promise from the Lord all those years ago but I feel like that's a promise the Lord wants to offer to you today and he is promising you that as you call out to him that he has a journey for you to take along a path that you've never been before. It's a new path. It's a new journey. Some new things that he wants to reveal to you. But especially about, you know, it talks about the Holy Spirit witnessing with our spirits that we're sons of God. I think he wants to bring you into a new place of joy in your relationship with him. Enjoying the fact that you're a son and you're a well-beloved son. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit said to Jesus? You're my, you know, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think you need to hear the well done and the pleasure that the Lord has in having you as a son. And that these are days when as you call to him, he's going to show you things that you haven't experienced before and you haven't walked in before but it's going to bring huge joy in your walk with the Lord so let's keep on stirring up the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was given to enable them to live a transformed life the Holy Spirit was given to enable them to be it says in Romans conformed to the image of Jesus to become more like Christ you can imagine it 3,000 people from all across the known world and in an instant remember this in an instant they're forgiven they, they are, they're reconciled to God. Something happens. They're tra- you know, but it didn't transform their life. But the Holy Spirit's given in order that all the old patterns of behavior and old habits can begun to be broken in our lives. So it is as we develop a friendship with the Holy Spirit that he begins to, I suppose, well, how do we put it, you know, uh, reveal things to us, shine his light in our life. And we begin by his power to begin to be changed and to live in a way that honors God and honors 
his name. So this is a, a very powerful thing. And of course, God's purpose for our lives. The Holy Spirit is given to you that you may be transformed to be the person that God created you to be, to become more like Jesus. And of course, the way you do that is you develop a relationship and a friendship with him. I, I, I've, uh, I heard it a, a long time ago, all sin is, rela- is a relationship issue. All sin is a relationship issue. In other words, as your relationship with the Lord is slightly out of kilter, it leads you off track. And as you invest in your relationship with God, then something begins to happen in you and change you from the inside out. It's technically called the new covenant. Their laws will I write on, my laws will I write on their heart. The Holy Spirit transforms us. New desires, new purpose. But that takes a while. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. And you have to have that starting point where you know that you're in relationship with a God who accepts you and loves you. Uh, Another one of my old phrases is this, that no relationship can flourish in an atmosphere of disapproval. No relationship can flourish in an atmosphere of disapproval. If you, for instance, if if you're in a home and you constantly feel that you have to earn somebody's love, or in a work situation, or in school. If I do well, maybe they'll love me. You never build anything. Some Christians live like that all of their lives. They wake up in the morning and they go, if I do well today, maybe God will love me. But of course, Christianity is, you wake up and you go, because God loves me, I'm going to live for him today. The motivation is entirely different. And so it is as the Holy Spirit comes he begins to transform us as we develop a friendship with him. And just to finish off, I've got a, a story that I, I love to tell. I have a, a friend who's now with the Lord, and he owned a, an orchard in, County, in Ben Burb. He was a county Armagh man, definitely in the county Armagh side of things. And uh, him and I were walking around the farm one day, and in his orchard, and I said to him, this, this innocuous phrase, uh, what makes a good apple? And he said, Paul, you take care of the tree and the apple will take care of itself. And I got my notebook. I said, that'll, that'll preach that one well, you know. And I wrote it down. I said, explain. He said, look. He said, Paul, here's the thing. You get a healthy, you, you start with a healthy tree. You cut the dead branches off. You keep the insects off it. You spray it. He said, you make sure it's fed and watered. And comes August, September, you get a great Bromley apple. He said, I never worry about apples. I worry about the tree. I thought, wow, what a great picture. You see, we get up in the morning, we go, I must be more loving today. No, 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 no. no. Develop your relationship with Jesus. Take care of it. Water it. Keep the insects off it. Prune the dead branches. And what happens? They produce good fruit. And that's what they began to live in. Took a while, but the Holy Spirit enabled them to do that. Take just, care of the tree, and the apple <laughs> will take care of itself. Right. And just finally, that I think they, they in they in in acts as they experience this, and and we have experienced that this as well. That the kingdom of God becomes more real and becomes present. You know, it's not some something that's one future day, but they, we actually can live in the good of it here and now. And and even the disciples, as Jesus was telling them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and fill them, they asked him the question, are you at this 
time going to restore the kingdom to Israel because he didn't quite understand about the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is simply the rule and reign of Jesus. And whenever we make him king of our lives, then we will live in a way that shows the people around us what this kingdom looks like. It'll show them what the love of the kingdom looks like, what the peace of the kingdom looks like, what the healing of the kingdom looks like. And and that we are called to, to live that way and to to be able to communicate that to, to the people we live amongst. I remember m- many years ago now, I was on a team in India and uh, <clears throat> we were sitting talking and there was a little girl, she was, she was 15 years old and I was sort of having a little chat with her through an interpreter and at some point she said that she'd been raised from the dead. And I said to the interpreter, is that really what she said or are you making that up? And uh, she, she said, no, no, that's really what she said. So, of course, then I was intrigued. So what happened was she came from a Hindu family. She'd been hit on the head by a buffalo and she'd been taken to the hospital by her family and they had proclaimed her dead. But there had been a little church in the village that they came from and they said, we need to take her to those Christians. And they took her from the hospital. They took her to the Christians who prayed for her. And she came back to life. Honestly, even when I heard the story, I'm going, like, is that for real? You know, I I really was thinking that. But there she was. She had become a Christian and her whole family had become a Christian because that little church had lived out of the truth that the kingdom of God is amongst us and the kingdom of God is real. And, you know, if it can happen in India... Why can't Come it happen on. here? That, that it, God wants to raise our expectation about his power and presence and the reality of the kingdom in our lives. And so I think it was part of that that made us hungry for more yeah. of the Holy Spirit and continues. Yeah. You know, we, I hope we're not looking back to a past time no. when we were filled with the Spirit because the Bible says be continually filled. Keep on asking to be filled. And so... Today, as we finish, I just want to invite you to open your hearts again to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you haven't asked for a a while. Maybe you are looking back to one time, but, you know, you haven't asked the Lord to fill you for a while. And and you've got a bit weary and and lacking in power. And this would be a great morning to just come again to the Lord and say, will you fill me afresh, Lord? And maybe for some of you, it is a new experience that that you've never said, Holy Spirit, will you come? It's called baptism in in the Bible, which just simply means being filled, drenched with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never asked him to do that. And like me, you're a little bit, oh, I wonder what will happen or maybe nothing will happen. But you know, Just ask the Lord this morning and do what I did and say, Lord, I'm asking, so I'm believing that's what you're going to do for me. And so it would be our privilege to pray for you. If you would allow us to do that, we would love to pray that the Spirit of God would come and just fill you afresh before we leave here this morning. And then some of these things that we have been talking about will be also your experience as he comes and fills you afresh.